Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. They had brought their selfish defilement into their temple work. They were building with unclean hands, and the Lord wanted them to clean this up. Look at the church that's right next door and see how big it is, how many more people they've got, and go, oh, Lord, how come I don't have a church as big as Heights Baptist Church? Am I doing something wrong, God, to still have this little church? That is defilement, and it is not going to build any of you cleanly. The Lord doesn't want us to do that. We got a little church. They got a big church. So what? I probably have a bigger nose than the pastor. I don't know. Doesn't mean anything. But it becomes defilement. It becomes a coveting, sinful problem. Haggai 2 and 15. And now carefully consider from this day forward. In other words, he's saying, I'm drawing a line in the sand. You've got a chance to make a decision right now to get things right. Carefully consider from this day forward, from before the stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days, when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, there were but 20. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Okay, the Lord had Haggai calling everybody to remember the economic failures they had in chapter one. Remember, they were sinning, they were getting off in what they were doing, and they were having economic failure because of it. Things were failing. And so this is the third time now of what's going to be five times that they were challenged to carefully, carefully consider what disobedience does when the consequences start to roll in. I always say, you get to choose your own sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come in behind it. He's saying, I want you to look at the the economic failure that's just starting to come in again because they were starting to fail. They were coming into the temple, building it with dirty hands. Oh, it's not as great as Solomon's was. And so now the economic failure is starting to happen again. It says their harvest production was starting to fall. Grain decreased by 50%. It says they went from 20 measures to 10. Their grape and their wine harvest fell about 60%. It says they went from 50 baths to 20 baths. Now, you remember in chapter 1, Haggai 1, the Lord said that because of their disobedience, he blew all their progress away. What he's saying is, guys you're starting to lose your work again. Do you see how everything's starting to decline? He goes, from this day forward, you need to consider your ways because if you don't turn now, you're going to have nothing. He's trying to get the people to not only build his house, but build it right 
And he says, look, because of disobedience, you're defiling the temple. And again, you're now showing signs of failure already again. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail and all the labor of your hands. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Haggai 2 and 18. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day, it's like you've got today to get this figured out. You've got today to make your choice. We're going to build this temple, but you're either going to build it and build it right, or I'm going to take everything down and you ain't building nothing. And that's really where it hit me, not only just now, but also as a pastor as I was studying. Don't look at these bigger churches and start comparing don't look at all these other things going on and start comparing. Well, man, that guy's podcast draws 30,000 people a year. Mine only does whatever, you know. Don't do that. You start defiling your work, he could take your work away. Do what you can with what you've got and let the Lord bless that. He promised them from this day forward, I'm going to bless you. From this point going forward that this rebuilding of the temple is your landmark moment when the Lord tells you that everything's about to change. From this day, I will bless you. Now, everyone knew that they had passed the mark where their obedience would result in victory. You have the chance today to do it right. Haggai 2 and 20. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month saying, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of of the Gentile kingdoms. Guys, look at that. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. That's military. The horses and their riders shall come down everyone by the sword of his brother. Now the Lord already said he would shake heaven and earth, but now he specified the shaking of Gentile kingdoms. The shaking of Gentile kingdoms. The United States of America is a Gentile kingdom. Oh my God, look what's going on. I will shake the Gentile kingdoms. Well, there seems to be no way out of this. There's not, except Jesus Christ, because the Lord himself is the one doing this. There's coming a point when the Gentile kingdom that we live in now is gonna come down. And I know that hurts us because we love our wonderful United States of America, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna love the kingdom of heaven more than I'm gonna love this country. And there's going to be no American flag that's going to fly over the kingdom of God in heaven. I hate to say that, but it's not going to be there. Where are you investing in? There's coming a point, this whole kingdom's coming down. Why? Because it is going to be replaced with the kingdom of Messiah Jesus when he comes back. Remember how I said there's no way on earth, at least not on this present earth, that Gentiles would bring their wealth to Israel. Something's got to happen that's big enough to make that mindset turn. Everybody wants their money. Something's got to change that. God is going to overthrow and destroy foreign kingdoms. Now, friends, when we Americans think of the word foreign, we think that means everybody but us. When I think of the word foreign, you know, Dove talked about that that bulletin board that had a map of the world and the United States was right in the middle, you know, and Europe is like cut in half over here and cut in half over there. Oh, we're the whole center of the world, right? And that Bible verse, that says to the ends of the earth. And there was a thumbtack right there in Houston, Texas, and a string that went out to Israel and a string that went out to Australia and a string that went out to Russia and a string. 
We're the, we're the foreigner, guys. We're the foreigner. The Gentile nations, we are the foreigners. He's going he's gonna to destroy foreign kingdoms. We have to understand that this that we're reading today was written and spoken in Israel. And the foreigner who's going to be overthrown is us. <laughs> Don't be afraid of what's going on out there. This is God's will. This is God's doing. The rule of the kingdoms, of the foreign kingdoms have to be broken down because the rule of the messianic line of David by covenant promise has to replace the Gentile kingdoms. You got to take a kingdom down and then replace it with a new one. If you want Jesus' rule to come in, you got to expect the kingdom you're in to go down and he's going to shake it down. He's not only going to shake it down governmentally, but also militarily. That's why he said he would overthrow chariots and those who ride on them. Friends, nuclear missiles and massive manpower is not going to stop the Lord God from taking this nation down and all the other nations around as well. We're all going down. These kingdoms that we've gotten so used to. And much of this is referring to the battle of Armageddon. Let me show you something. Revelation 19:15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what he's going to do. He's going to strike the nations. You've got a lot of people, when the Messiah wants to come back and take rule, they're going to say, no, Messiah, we don't want your rule. We want our United States as long as I get my guy in office, but I want my United States. Guys, our United States is gone. This ain't the U.S. I grew up in, but look what's coming. The Lord Jesus is coming. Messiah Jesus is coming with his rule. I'll take that any day. And so the Lord would fulfill a prophecy when he does all that. And I want you to look now at Haggai 2 and 23. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtel, says the Lord, and will make you a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I want you to remember, Israel had come back to the land with no king. And today, right now, is there a king in Israel? No. I've been up there to that temple mount. There's no king sitting up there right now. This does not mean that the Davidic covenant is broken or abandoned by God. As a matter of fact, when we were in Israel, I didn't go all the way up there. I didn't want to that day. I kind of wanted to stay back because I I don't really want to go to the Temple Mount. That's like the hottest part of the world right now. Some of our group went and there were some other people, not believers, that tried to pick an argument with some of the people on our tour. And they said, your God's not here. Where's your temple? Your temple's not here. And it almost turned into a thing. And I heard about it when they got back. I said, well, kind of glad I didn't go. But what God did was he made Zerubbabel a signet ring, he said. What is a signet ring? A signet ring has the authority of a king to make and bind covenants and decrees. What you did is you take an envelope and you seal it with drop some wax on it. You take a signet ring, you push it in there, and then it bears the image of that signet ring and it seals that document and guarantees it a journey, a safe journey, only to be opened by the one it's addressed to. So it's like a promise. It's a guarantee. It's, it's, an, it's a, a king's authority promise, I'll get you there, is what a signet ring does. 
Now, if you remember Mordecai, to make a new decree to protect the Jews from Haman's genocide, the king gave him his signet ring. Go make a new document, and he sealed it. There, now it's, it's done, okay? So the Lord made Zerubbabel a signet ring. He made him to be a sealed promise of authority that even though there's no king now, there will be one in the future. I'll get you there. Now, I want to show you something significant about Zerubbabel, because you're wondering why did he choose Zerubbabel to be this promise signet ring? If you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ on Joseph's side in Luke 3, 27, it says the son of Joannes, the son of Reza, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, the son of Neri. Guys, Zerubbabel is in the Messianic line. Zerubbabel is in the Davidic line. If you also look at Mary's genealogy, that's somewhere in Matthew 1, it also records Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel has a lineage on both Mary's and Joseph's side of the Messiah. That's the guy to pick right there. (laughs) So he's in both sides. Zerubbabel is the main guy. He is in the ancestral line of David that would eventually come all the way down to Jesus Christ. Zerubbabel, as God's signet ring, represented the resuming of the messianic line that had been interrupted by the Jews' exile in Babylon. It's like me watching that movie. I'm watching, but I had to put a stop on it because some trouble came up, but I'll get back to it later, and I will resume, and I will get done what I said I would do. The Lord is making Zerubbabel, the signet ring, it's going to resume. It's going to pick back up. And he's going to pick it back up in the line. He's going to shake up, the big shake up, he's going to shake up and overthrow all the Gentile kingdoms and take the throne of Israel to rule over all the earth. To take all these Gentile kingdoms and make them under the rule of Jesus Christ, he's got to shake them down and then Jesus is going to come and have them to rule over. This whole place is going to be under the rule of Messiah Jesus one day. It's not going to be no more votes. You know, when Jesus comes back, he ain't taking a vote to see if you approve of him sitting on that throne or not. He's going to rule on the throne whether you like it or not. That's how monarchy works. You don't elect kings. They are kings because they are in the line. And so those people who point at the Temple Mount and say, well, there ain't no temple there now. They need to know that there is a promise that there will be. God's going to bring it back. It's kind of like, like I said, when you hit that movie on pause, it ain't there right now. There's no movie playing. It's like a guy walking into my living room. I don't see the movie playing on your TV right now. Ha ha. Well, I paused it. I'm just going to, all I got to do is unpause it. It'll be back. (laughs) The Lord's going to bring the temple back. The Lord is going to bring the wealth of the nations by shaking up the Gentile, all these foreign kingdoms, and it's going to be better and grander than it ever was. God kept his covenant to keep a Davidic person of the Davidic line on the throne. Zerubbabel reestablished the Davidic line of kings that would lead down to Jesus Christ. Now, let's remember our Davidic covenant line that would bring in Messiah Jesus from 2 Timothy 2.8. It says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, see the line, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. He's going to bring that back in. Yes, there's no temple there right now. I know. I've been there. I've seen it. But I'm going to see a day where there will be one. And I'm going to take every bit of wealth I got, everything I have, I'm going to put in there for my Messiah Jesus. Revelation 22, 16. 
It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. Now, that's one thing to say you're the offspring of David, but he's also the root. <laughs> he's on both ends. He started it and he's of it. Isn't that great? There will be a king on the throne of David in Israel. It's going to happen. And the Bible makes it clear that for now, the temple is in the believers of Messiah Jesus because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. But for the future, we have a signet ring. We have a promise that the line of David will resume when Jesus comes to sit on the throne of Israel. Not just to rule over Israel, but the entire world. Now, remember how the Lord said in Haggai 2 verse 7, that he will fill the future temple with his glory. He says, I will fill this temple with glory. Oh man, this temple we're building, it's not that great. Oh, what's going on? Don't defile it. Don't mess it up today. Draw a line in the sand. You better pick a good day from here on out to do right. But the gold is mine. The silver is mine. I will fill this place with glory. I'm going to do that. I want to show you a vision that the Lord gave to Ezekiel about this. And Ezekiel 43 and 1 says, then he led, Ezekiel's a time traveler, okay? Ezekiel 43 and 1, then he led me to the gate, the gate facing toward the east. And behold, the glory of the Lord of Israel was coming from the way of the east. And his voice was like the sound of many waters and the earth shone with his glory. And it was like the appearance of the vision, which I saw like the vision which I saw when he came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Chabar. And I fell on my face and the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate facing toward the east. And the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Who's gonna fill that temple? The Lord God. That's in future yet. He told Haggai, Way back, a long time ago here in chapter 2, he says, I'm going to fill this place with glory. You won't. Friends, we can't fill the house of God with glory. We can defile it pretty easily. But you can come in submission to his authority and obedience to him and see his glory. Isn't that great? So Ezekiel, the time traveler, you don't believe in time travel? Okay, Look what Ezekiel did. He didn't have a uh, a flux capacitor and 88 miles an hour in a DeLorean, but he got it done. He got it done through the Lord. The Lord, the Spirit moved him. He saw the fulfillment of what the Lord said through Haggai. This is going to be the kingdom that the Messiah Jesus will establish on earth. But to establish that kingdom, he's first got to shake all the kingdoms of the Gentiles to overthrow them. Every kingdom will be shaken. Every kingdom will be shaken. When you look and see the mess going on out there, don't let it scare you. Think, hey, it's going just like God said he'd do. It's really going to get bad, but it's because God wants to do it. He's got to do that to bring in his millennial kingdom that's going to, he's going to rule over. Hebrews 12 and 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude. It doesn't say let us show worry. It doesn't say let us show being distraught. It doesn't say let us show, oh, fear, whatever. It says let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Israel became defiled. Their service was unacceptable. You know, any of you who run a business or work in a company, when a worker's service becomes terrible and they actually start doing bad things, it's unacceptable. You got to stop this. You sit down with them. You need to draw a line in the sand, and from here forward, I'll be with you. But you better make that 
change now (laughs) if you're going to work in this place. Our service should never involve comparing ourselves with others who we think have it better to those we say, well, they make more money or they have a higher stature or they even have more people in their church and their church building is a whole lot bigger. And what do we have, Lord? I haven't even found a lease yet. Where's mine? And the Lord says, don't build my house like that. Don't defile it. And I went, oh, yes, thank you. Sorry. It'll happen when it's time to happen. Don't compare. We do that. Don't compare with what other people have because when you do that, when you start playing the numbers game with God, money, building, this, that, and the other, when you start playing that numbers game, that's when you defile your kingdom work. That's when your kingdom work is not acceptable. The Israelites didn't realize their work was more than just constructing a building. It's more than a building. Their work was spiritual work that carried eternal weight that would be used for the Lord's eternal glory. Friends, our coming here, as few as we are, as small as it is, it's not about how many. It's not about the size of the building. I could say that and you already know that. But we need to understand that what we do here carries eternal weight, goes to eternal things that will be used for the Lord's glory in the future and today. That's what it's about, the Lord, not us. We need to remember that. Psalm 917 says, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. That's the work I want to do here. Work in the beauty of the Lord. I have had pastors tell me, shouldn't you be bigger by now? Numbers game, numbers game. I don't have to listen to that. There's no king ruling on the temple right now. That's fine. But there is a king ruling in the temple today within us who believe. We are indwelled. We are the temple. And just like Zerubbabel was made a signet ring, a promised seal of the king's coming authority, remember that we too carry a seal of the king's authority in us. Did you know that you have a seal in you? Did you know that the signet ring pressed into you, into your inner being? He will never abandon that promise. Let me show you. Ephesians 1.13, in him you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were what? Sealed. Think of that envelope, that signet ring pushing its image into the wax. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance, which is eternal life. You have been given the image of God. He pressed it into you. When you believed in Messiah Jesus, you bear the image of God from a signet ring, his authority that even though you're not in heaven yet, I will get you there. Amen? Amen. That's so good. And that promise cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken away. So when you give your life life to Jesus... Consider from this day forward if the Lord will bless you because there's a lot of people that are worried about all the stuff. I want to use a tagline from Haggai. Consider this day forward. You've got a chance right now to make a decision. You're either going to play the numbers game and lose because you're investing in a kingdom that can be shaken or you can invest in a kingdom that cannot be shaken and get the signet ring seal of the Holy Spirit pressed into you. You will be saved. You know, those who look at the news, they know what's going on. But those who look at God's Word know why 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.